Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Acts chapter 18 is where we're at. I want you to turn there. Uh, as I said earlier today, uh, the, but the last week or two has just felt like the last year or two. It's been the, it's been the longest few months, the last uh, couple of days, but so many things going on. And, um, uh, you know, it's really easy for us to say, you know, God's going to take care of you. God sees your problems. That's, that's something really easy for us to say. Have you ever had someone say that to you? Like, ah, don't worry about it. God will take care of you. It's easy to say that, but boy, is it hard to live that? It, it's hard for me to live that sometimes. It's hard for me to kind of uh, pause for a second and say, okay, I know. I know the Bible says it, but do I really believe it? I mean, I, I know it's in the Bible, but do, is there, am I really walking my faith or am I still kind of wanting to see the end results and, and walking by sight? Today in our story uh, in Acts chapter 18, the guy, the main character in our story is a guy named Paul. And, and, and he is really challenged in this area to walk by faith and not by sight. Because he's going to go through some hard times too. I realize that it wasn't COVID-19 he was going through, but he went through a lot worse things, I think, than, than a pandemic. Uh, as we saw the last couple of weeks, he had been thrown in jail and been beat up and, and pretty much left for dead and all kinds of things happen. And here we go with the story. We're just going to pick up. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to follow along as we read. We're going to be in Acts chapter 18. And I'll read it, you follow along. So verse 1 says this, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So remember he had just got done preaching. Do you remember how the story was last week? And you can catch us up on, on, on our website. You can listen to those podcasts if you want. But, but basically we, we kind of saw this, that there's three responses that people have when, when you preach the word, that, that some people are going to believe it, some people are going to mock you, and some people just aren't going to be sure about it either. And, and so he's in Corinth, and the area of Corinth, in case you don't know, if you're going to look on your Bible map to see where Corinth was, remember he's on his second missionary journey. Corinth is a, uh, uh, is a wealthy city. It's kind of a melting pot where a lot of people are together. It's a very uh, sports-minded city. But what it's known about when you study Corinth is it's known for the fact that it's a very decadent city. It's a very perverse city. It's, it's known throughout the world, for its perverseness. And you say, well, well how, bad, how bad could it be? Well, I'll, I'll kind of give you some ideas of how bad it could be. Um, uh, there was a lot of uh, 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 merchant you know, sailing going on, and there was a big port, so there was a lot of sailors coming in. It was a military port, so there was a lot of military. You know, there are a lot of people coming and going that area. But a lot of money, uh, a, a lot of people coming in from different areas, a lot of idolatry. And uh, it's reported that there was, was about a dozen pagan temples in Corinth. Now get this, throughout those dozen temples, pagan temples, uh, they hired about 1,000 prostitutes to be part of worship. So you say, boy, how bad can it be? Well, I think that's pretty bad. I mean, boy, that's pretty dark that you've got uh, churches, so to speak, if we kind of put it in our terms today, and, and there's 1,000 prostitutes that are hired by these 12 different churches throughout the city, the, these temples that, that are part of their worship. So say, man, that is... That is awful. Yeah, it is awful. That was dark. Yeah, it was really dark. (laughs) 
And this is where Paul is. He, he's going to Corinth. I mean, this extremely dark place, this extremely bad uh, uh, area, perverse area. The, the girls, the, the prostitutes of that day, they were known as Corinthian girls. To, to say that, that you were a Corinthian meant that you practiced fornication. That was the lifestyle of the day. Now, before we keep going on this, I want us just to pause and just think for a second about this. You, you know, in the New Testament here, there's a book called Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And, and sometimes we read about that. You know the story, if, if you ever want to read First or Second Corinthians, uh, there were some really bad things that happened in the church. And I know sometimes we read those stories and we say, well, how could a church get that bad? I mean, how could it, like, these stories in First in, in Corinthians, this is awful. Yeah, but if you remember how dark and how bad the city was where they lived, I'm guessing these people in Corinth probably thought, well, we're not that bad. I mean, we're not as bad as the church down the street. I mean, they're hiring prostitutes. You know, we're not that bad. So, so Paul starts this church. Basically, he's the first pastor this church has. It, it's a church plant, and Paul's there, and this is exactly how dark this place was, how tough it would be to have a church there, and it was a way of life. So going down to verse 2, you're kind of getting the idea here. So Paul, it says, And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Look at verse 3. And because he was of the same craft, now that's interesting, think about that for a moment, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So, so Paul, uh, as you know, is a tent maker, and he kind of buddies up here with, with uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. I, I think it's kind of interesting. Parents, let me give you just a little bit of parenting advice on this. I think it's really good that Paul knew a skill. He knew a trade. Parents, you know, in the days of laptops and iPads and, and video games and so many things, we really need to, on purpose, make sure that our kids can do something, okay? Uh, and that just means, you know, uh, moms, make sure your daughters can, can do stuff. Make sure they can work. Make sure they know how to, I don't know, cut the grass, how to paint things, how to fix things. Uh, dads, make sure that your boys know, know how to do stuff. They know how to do oil changes. They know how to uh, do basic maintenance on a car. They know how to, how to hammer a nail. They know how to use a screw gun. They know how to use these different tools. It's just really important that you use these things and you know these things so that our young people are just prepared for the future. And Paul, obviously his parents had taught him the skill. He knows how to make tents. And, and he runs into this couple here that they also know how to make tents. And, and I believe that, that uh, they probably trusted Christ by meeting Paul. And I'm kind of reading between the lines on that. But the reason I'm thinking that is because everywhere that Paul went, he gave the gospel. So if Paul is going to work for Aquila and Priscilla being tent makers because they've you know, they got this common skill, I pretty much have to guarantee that, that they probably trusted Christ. You know, because it doesn't say that they didn't trust Christ or it doesn't say that Paul was trying to you know, work with them as far as trying to give the gospel to them. I think that they trusted Christ here. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence too, church, on this. I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, that God brought Aquila and Priscilla to Paul, that they have the same skills. Paul's in a really tough time and the, there's no missionary support coming in. He's a bivocational pastor. He's working and doing the ministry, right? But God brought this couple that has the same skills that Paul does. And I just don't think that's a coincidence. Church, don't, don't ever think that God's not concerned about just everything, every part of your life. And I think God's really concerned about Paul here and, and even his finances. 
and, and he brings this couple with the same trade. Don't overlook that. I think it's important to remember that God really takes care of his own, and, and, and they really kind of become this model of a Christian couple. Hey, listen, the, the, the next week, while you're at home and, and you're going stir-crazy and you've watched you know, every re- rerun of, of, of you know, Andy Griffith, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a quick word study on Aquila and Priscilla every time they're talked about in the Bible. The, they really are a great model of a Christian couple. They really are. And, and how a Christian couple can function together, uh, just kind of a side note. It's really kind of an interesting study. Go on down to verse 4. Let's keep going. So Acts chapter 18, verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So, so we know that Paul's teaching there in the synagogues and, and there's some people that are trusting, some people that aren't. And I'm thinking what we're going to start to see, church, is that Paul is going to start to get really discouraged. I, I just read between the lines a little bit. I think Paul is going to kind of go through something. He's, he's going to start to get frustrated here. Uh, frustrated from what? Well, I think from the lack of, of people getting saved, the lack of, he's been putting all this work into it, he's been putting all this time into it, and it, he's probably just feeling like he's not getting much traction, things aren't happening. And he actually see him, I think, I think he gets frustrated with the Jewish people. He just, he's going to say, well, forget it. You know, I'm going to go work with the Gentiles. I'm done with this. But I think God has another plan for him. So go down to verse 5. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia... Paul was pressed, take your pen, underline the word pressed, in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So I think Paul's going to start feeling some conviction here from, from the Holy Spirit that you just need to be straightforward and you just need to tell the Jews that, that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 6, And when they opposed themselves, take your pen, underline the word opposed, okay? When they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From henceforth, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. <laughs> so I, I imagine Paul, you know, he's sitting there and he's just like, you know, taking his coat, shaking around, just, I'm done with you guys. I've had it with you guys. You know, my hands are clean. I'm washed my hands of you guys. I'm done with this. You know, I'm frustrated. You guys just aren't listening to anything. And it says here at the beginning of that verse, look, it, it says, those that oppose themselves. What, people always say, Pastor, because that, that, that term is used in the Bible a couple times. What does it mean when the Bible talks about someone opposing themselves? Well, when, when we're led on something or when we're taught something from God's Word or we go to church and the preacher preaches something from the Word or we're in a counseling session and, and we're counseled about something in God's Word and, and we hear something and we reject it, you know, like or the Holy Spirit's convicting you to do something and you don't. Or the Holy Spirit's convicting you to stop something and you don't. Okay, when that happens to you, you are opposing yourself. God's trying to work in your heart. God's trying to change you and He's trying to change that through the preaching of the Word or, or through counseling with someone or, or through, through a time that you're reading the Bible or, or you're, you're, you're watching on a live stream and you know there's something, man, alive, you know, I just feel God's talking to me on that, but nah. I'm not going to listen to it. You're opposing yourself, okay? You're rejecting what God's trying to work in your heart, and, and you're just opposing uh, uh, what God's trying to do, and that's what that's tra- talking about. Paul is trying to give them the gospel, and it says the response is they're, they're opposing themselves. I know that's what Paul said, but I don't want to hear it. Well, what are you doing? I mean, you're opposing yourself on that. You're, you're opposing what you know, uh, what God's Spirit's trying to work in your heart and what trying, God's trying to do for you. And so... 
They don't want to listen. They are just stuck on this, this thing that I'm just not going to listen to what Paul has to say. And, and when we don't listen to what someone has to say, when we don't listen to God's Word working in our heart, that's not called submission. Right? Boy, that's a tough word to say, isn't it? The word submission. Tell you what, right now, I want you to look to the person sitting next to you and just say the word submission. Just say it, just submission. Isn't that, isn't that hard to say? That's a hard word to say, isn't it? And, and all the guys are looking at their wife and saying it, and the wives just gave their husbands an elbow. <laughs> but, but that word submission is tough. And listen, when we don't submit to, to God's word or God's leading, that's not you having Christian liberty. That's not your opinion. That's not just how you want to do it. It's flat-out rebellion. It's just rebellion. When we don't submit to what God has, that's just called rebellion. And it's just, you slice it, dice it, and try to figure out what you want to call it. But it's not Christian liberty. It's not your opinion. It's not the way you see it. It's rebellion, flat-out rebellion. And so when we ask, God, would you work in my life? God, would you teach me something? God, would you, would you help me grow in some area? And, and we say no to that. It's not submission. It's opposing ourselves. And it's just flat-out rebellion. And so God's trying to work in these people's hearts here and, and God's trying to work with them. And, and he says there, look, he shook his raiment and said, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean from henceforth. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And, and Paul said this before. He said, you know what? I'm kind of impatient here and I'm kind of done with this and I'm not going to take any responsibility here for this. I'm just going to kind of keep moving on here. I'm going to go work with the Gentiles. And, and uh, sometimes, I know, I know guys, I know in your own Christian life, you, you're doing the right thing and you feel like you're doing the right thing, and, and you've been faithful, and you've been, you've been just, I'm doing the right thing, and you feel like you're not getting any traction, you feel like, you know, just, you know, God hasn't blessed, and you feel like I'm just stuck, and I've been trying to witness to a relative or a friend or a loved one, and nothing's happening, and sometimes we feel like, you know what, I'm just done, I'm just going to quit, but, but the key here, and what we're going to see with Paul, is, is that we don't quit, okay? Paul was faithful, and he didn't quit. And, and all this is happening, and he's getting frustrated. He's getting down. Paul's a human being, guys, just like me and you. All right? Sometimes we think Paul's like some super Christian guy and, and never has a problem. No, Paul's a human being, right? And he gets frustrated, and he gets, gets anxious. And, and uh, uh, sometimes we want to start to ask why. Go down to verse 7. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house was joined hard, or that means was right next to the synagogue. So... So he goes into this guy's house that's right next to the synagogue. I'd have to believe Justice is a believer. The reason I say that is because look at the next verse. Verse 8, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, so the head guy of that synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. And this is, what, this is what the Lord says to Paul. Paul, be not afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace. So, so God tells Paul, he says, listen, Paul, I don't want you to be afraid. Look at that verse. Now, now think about that, church. Now pause. Why, why, why do you think that God told Paul not to be afraid? Why would he say that? He told Paul not to be afraid because why? Because Paul was probably afraid. He was probably afraid. Why would God tell him not to be afraid if he wasn't afraid? I believe Paul was afraid and and Paul was, was, was really concerned of what people were going to do to him. I think there's a lot of persecution that's taking place still in, in Paul's life. It hasn't let up. He's been there. He's frustrated. He's ready to go. And, and, and Paul's running into this. And, and uh, God intervenes and says, Paul, 
Come on now, don't be afraid. Look at verse 10. Look at this. He says, for I am with thee. And now take your pen and underline this next phrase. This is good. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. So now think, church, why would have God have told Paul, no man is going to hurt you? Why would he have said that? Well, the reason he said that is because I think Paul was afraid of what? That someone was going to hurt him. I mean, that's why he said it. God's telling him, like, Paul, don't be afraid. No one is going to hurt you, okay? Don't worry about it. I'm still in charge. I'm still on the throne. I know we're in the middle of a national pandemic and a worldwide pandemic, and this is scary times. But don't be afraid. I'm still in control. I haven't forgot about the earth, you know. Go down to our verse, verse 10. And this is interesting, for I have much people in this city. So this is kind of interesting. Paul, again, is afraid, and he's afraid of what? He's afraid of people hurting him. That's what's taking place. Uh, I think it's interesting. You want to do a real quick interesting study? Let's do it. Take your Bible, and let's go over to 1 Corinthians. So go all the way to the right of your Bible, 1 Corinthians. If you get a verse sheet, you can look at it there. The, the church in Corinth, now remember, put this together, the church in Corinth, that is this church, the first letter to the Corinthians, that is the church that he's at right now in the book of Acts, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, that this is years later, he's writing about what's happening right now, and he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, what do you mean when I came to you? Well, remember back when I came to you, back in Acts, that was me, I was coming to you, it was when I talked to you. Came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Look at verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 3. And I was with you. Now, this is a very important verse. And I was with you in weakness. So Paul's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And he's talking about the time that he was with them, which was when? Acts chapter 18. And he's saying, when I was with you, I was in, look what it says, weakness and in fear and in much, what's it say, church? Say it out loud. Trembling. So do you remember when I was with you? Well, things weren't that great. I I was with you in weakness. I was in fear. And I was in, what's this next word? Much trembling. I was with you guys back at that time And I was so scared, so fearful, I was trembling. Now, church, like I said, we're in a tough time right now, but are you so scared that you're trembling? I mean, have you ever had a time in your life where you're literally just shaking and you're you're just trembling with fear? Paul's saying, when I was with you guys, I I literally was shaking in my boots. I mean, I was really scared. I I really thought, I really thought this was it. I was going to get beat up again. People are going to hurt me. Maybe this is the time I was going to die. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Paul, Paul, Paul's probably remembering what happened, you know, back, you know, in, in 17 and 16 when he got beat up and was thrown in jail and almost died and the earthquake, you know, that whole story. He's probably thinking, oh, man, I, <laughs> I don't want to get beat up again because that wasn't fun. I mean, I ain't 20 years old anymore. You know, <laughs> this is going to hurt. So, so he's saying, when I was there, I was in weakness and fear and much trembling. And I was so scared. So, so he, he's looking at this and he's saying, I, I just, you know, I don't know about this thing. So let's keep going. Take your Bible, go back to Acts chapter 18. Let's look at this. Uh, you know, I, I guess, let me, let me say this too. I was thinking about this too. Sometimes we think that everyone just kind of liked Paul. Or, or you know what I mean? Like, like maybe he was 
he was good looking or he was a good speaker or, or he was well, well spoken or a good wordsmith. You know, if we look at other passages of scripture, he, he, <laughs> he wasn't really that well liked. I mean, amongst the Christians he was, but amongst the, the unsaved, he wasn't. They, they, they talked behind his back all the time. Have you ever had someone talk behind your back? Have you ever had someone stab you in the back? Well, I imagine you did, right? Doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that make you tremble and fear? You know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will ever hurt me. Well, that, that's like the biggest lie, right? Names hurt me more than getting hit by a stick. I'd, I'd rather get hit by a stick all day long than have someone stab me in the back, right? And so would you. And, and uh, there's a lot of times that he was criticized. Uh, it wasn't face-to-face, but it was behind his back. If we were looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says this, For his letters, these are the people, he, Paul's talking about the people that are talking about him, and they say, For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful. So, boy, there's a lot of, a lot of power in what he writes. But his bodily presence is weak. His speech is contemptible. It's not much to brag about, guys. It's not much to talk about. He's, he's not much to look at. You know, you, you see him, and, and, and it's just not much to see there. And, and uh, his writing, you know, his writing skill, you know, he's not that great, which is interesting because they're talking about God's Word. It's not that great. And, you know, the way he can speak and stuff like that in public, it's not much to look at, and, and it's just not much there. So he had a lot of things going against him. The people were against him. We kind of put these pieces together, kind of put the dots together and say, man, when he was in Corinth, tough was, the times were tough. The people, people weren't that nice to him, and he was really struggling. And again, he, he, he shakes his coat, shakes his raiment, and he says, you know what, I'm done with you guys. I've had it. I don't know, maybe you're watching this today and maybe you're just kind of feeling like you're done with it too. I mean, you're just frustrated. You've been inside the house all week and how am I going to pay my bills? What, you know, when's the government bailout going to happen? You know, there's a lot of questions right now. Go down to verse 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not your peace. Verse 10, For I am with thee. Boy, God, God's promising right there. I'm going to take care of you, Paul. It, the government's not taking care of you. The doctors aren't taking care of you. The church, God says, I'm the one that's going to take care of you. Okay? And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And, and he said that to Israel. He said that to Moses. He said that to Joshua. He said that so many times. And look at the end of verse 10. He says, for I have much people in this city. Now, Kind of an interesting thing as we're doing this Bible study today. Think about that. For I have much people in the city. He, he's saying, Paul, don't worry. Okay, look at the verse again. Don't worry. Okay, no one's going to hurt you. But Paul, if you'll be faithful, there's a lot of people in the city that are going to come to Christ. That's what he's saying. You got to remember this too in church. I want you to understand this, that, that, that God has foreknowledge, right? He has foreknowledge. That's one of his characteristics. His foreknowledge. What does foreknowledge mean? That means that he knows beforehand. So God knows, because God knows everything, right? He knows the future. God knows, Paul, if you won't worry and you'll stay faithful and you'll do what you're supposed to do, I know the future. And Paul, if you'll do what you're supposed to do, I know there's an awful lot of people in that city that are going to get saved still. There's, 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 there's plenty of people that still need to hear the gospel and they're going to get saved. Now, I've read some commentaries and they say, oh, see, God caused those people to be saved. The Bible doesn't say that. Or you read the passage. He doesn't say that. St. Paul, don't be scared. 
Paul, no one's going to hurt you because there's, there's plenty of people I know that are going to get saved. Church, listen, just because God knows something doesn't mean that God's going to cause something to happen. Those people still had to trust Christ. It was still a free will thing they had to do, but God knows everything. And God knows, Paul, if you'll be faithful and you'll stay here, I know that people are going to get saved from it. I, 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 I can see the future as if it's already happened. I know absolutely positively there's going to be people who are going to trust Christ as their Savior if you'll just stay faithful and do what you're supposed to do. Interesting note. Ready? This is kind of cool. Remember at the beginning of this chapter when Paul's talking about this, he, he's planning on leaving. Paul's original intention was not to stay in Corinth. But you know what's interesting? He actually stays in Corinth here, right here at this church, right here, right now, a year and a half. That's longer than Paul stayed anywhere else on his missionary journey. He's on a missionary journey, right? We think about missionary trips, and I want to go back on some mission trips, and, and you go for a week or two. Well, Paul was probably planning on just going through Corinth, just passing through, and he ends up staying there a year and a half. Why? Because God told him, Paul, if you will just do what you're supposed to do, there's a lot of fruit in this city, but you're going to have to be faithful. You're going to have to just stick it out, okay? Keep going, Paul. Don't quit. Don't worry about it. You just do what I'm going to tell you to do. And God says, I know there's just a lot of blessings waiting for you. If you'll just stay here, there's a lot of fruit, but you just keep, you just keep going and don't be discouraged and, and don't walk away. Don't quit. Take a look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if what? If we faint not. Or in other words, if we don't quit. There, there's, there's blessings coming if you just don't quit, if you just don't, don't give up. And, and, and due season, in, 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 in the right amount of time. If you'll just do this, you'll reap and it will be okay. You know, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people quit too early. You know, I've, I've kind of thought about that a lot as a pastor. And I think sometimes God's ready to work a great thing in some people's lives. And I think right before the blessing, a lot of people get weary and they quit. I think that's just a part of our human tendency. It's, it's, like, it's like they carry the, the football all the way down to the 99-yard line and they're so exhausted, they're so tired of the criticism, they're so tired of their parents or their grandparents or their auntie or their uncle or, or someone on social media saying something, and just, ah, I'm just tired of it. And they quit on the 99-yard line. And it's like, you know, if God would just speak down from heaven to them, you know, don't quit, you got, you know, you're so close. There's a lot of fruit waiting if you just stick it out. I've seen parents do that with their kids. I've seen it a lot. And, and they're, they're, they're trying to do good with their kids and they're trying to raise them the right way and they finally get, you know, I am just so tired that they kind of just give up and say, here you go, world, raise my kids for me. I'm just tired of it. And if they just would have stuck it out just a little bit longer, just, just a little bit longer, they would have saw a change or they would have started to see some fruit from it and it would have been a totally different outcome. But we just quit too early. We just, we just give up. I've known a lot of pastors, a lot of church planners, that started with the church or got involved with the church and, and they quit just too early. They, they, well, time to switch churches. It's time to move on. It's time to do something different. And, and just like what Paul was going to do, I just forget it. I'm done. I'm washing my hands. I'm leaving. And it's like they're on the 99-yard line. And if you just stick it out for a little bit longer, you'll start to see some blessings. You know, you'll, you'll start to do it. And, and some of you are coming to our addiction recovery program and and you're doing good, and, and you've been coming for a little while, and maybe you're just kind of saying, man, 
I'm just not seeing any change, man. It's just hard to come on Friday nights, man. It's hard to, to watch live stream. It's hard to do my, my challenges all the time. But if you just stick it out, then you won't quit, and you just keep going just a little bit longer, you'll start to see some fruit from it. You will. You will. And God's trying to challenge Paul here. Paul, don't, don't quit on something like that. Come on, just stick it out. I think a problem, though, too. <laughs> but it's okay if I go on a rabbit trail here, right? Because we're live streamed, so it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> but I think a lot of times, sometimes with, with young people, and I'm talking to the, those of you under 30 years old, I, I, I think you don't even start because I don't think sometimes you give God enough time to even start to work in your life. And you're too busy with everything and you've got too many things going on that you're so busy you just never really pause and say, God, what is it that you want for my life? Well, guess what? God's just quarantined you to your home for three weeks, okay? You need to use this time to pause, turn off the television, you know, and open your Bible and read it. Spend some time in prayer like you've never spent before. Read some passages of Scripture like you've never read before and say, God, what is it that you may have for my life? What is it? We, we don't even get to the point to where the 99-yard line because we, some of you haven't even walked out in the field yet. You're just, well, I'm just so busy with work or raising my kids or, or getting married or having a family or pursuing my job. Have you actually ever paused long enough for God to work in your life and to call you to do something great for Him? Listen, young people, those of you under 30, I'm going to give you a challenge right now. You don't, you don't want to turn 40 years old and look back and say, maybe I should have. I, I wonder I could have. Why didn't I? Back when I was in high school, man, I, I knew God was calling me to do something. Why aren't you doing it? Why not? Back when I was in junior high, I knew, I knew God wanted me to go to the mission field, or I knew God wanted me to, to be involved in Christian ministry, or I knew God wanted me to go to Bible college, or something. Why haven't you done it? Don't, don't wait till you're 40. Don't wait till you're 50 and say, well, I'll do it then, because you won't. You just, you just won't. <laughs> You'll be too tired to do it. You, now's the time. You need to start. You need to get out in the field and do something for Jesus. So we need to use these next couple of weeks. I'm serious. Those of you young people, if you consider yourself a young person, Pause. Pause for a little bit of time. Maybe, maybe God's allowed this for us just to pause for a little bit. Turn off the television, turn off the radio, put your iPad down, and start talking to Jesus. And God, is there something you want me to do? Is there something that I'm supposed to be doing? Because I need to know, right? I mean, I want to know. If there's something I'm supposed to be doing, I want to know about it, okay? So let's get back into our study here. And let's, uh, let's take a look here. Next verse. Um, uh, well, I tell you what. I, I've got this verse written down. I'm just going to read it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good to all men. Okay? Let's do good to all men. Just don't forget that verse and, and, and do good. Paul had some people here in this passage that were doing some good to him. Is there some people that you need to do some good for this week? Someone that maybe you can call? You know, during this time, maybe you need to, to reach out to two or three people every day. Have you thought about that? Is there some people that you can call? Well, Pastor, I'm supposed to be socially distant. Well, hold on. Wait a second. Socially distant doesn't mean socially exclusive, okay? It doesn't mean you, you don't still connect with people, all right? Still connect with people. iPhone, you can call someone, you can text someone, you can FaceTime someone, you could, you could send someone an email. But maybe right now, maybe today, there's a couple of people in your church that you could just reach out to and just show them some love, just a five-minute phone call, right? Again, turn off the television, put your iPad down and reach out to some people and, and do good to, to people like this. This is just a, a really good thing. Is there someone that you could text or encourage? I don't know. Acts chapter 18, verse 11. 
And so he continued there a year and six months. So he's in Corinth there for a year and a half, teaching the Word of God among them. So he kind of, you know, he's basically, he's the church planner right there. And he's the one that's starting this church. And, and, uh, and things are going to start happening here in this church. And, and Paul literally takes it that when God says he's going to protect them, he takes it literally. God, you're going to protect me. God, you're going to work this out. Well, I'm going to take it literally, and I'm going to let this happen. And, and I sometimes wonder, do we do that, you know, in the middle of, of all these things going on? And, and this is the time, you know, the, the first time in American history that we purposely have destroyed our own economy. On purpose. I get it. Okay. But, but, but here's the thing that we stop and say for a second. Wait a second. This is totally unprecedented. But God, are you still going to take care of me? God, what about all these bills? Who's taking care of the bills? How, how, how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay the, the car payment? How am I going to pay for my insurance? How am I going to pay? I don't know. I, I don't know. But God knows, church, okay? God knows. And Paul took it literally that, that God was going to take care of him and, and it's going to be just a really, really good thing. Paul wrote this in the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. I got you flipping around to a lot of pages today, don't I? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Well, underline your pen on that one, tribulation. I think we're in some tribulation. Or distress. Well, I think there's a lot of stress going on right now. Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril. I think we're in peril. Or sword. Go down to verse 37. No, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither, what's the next word, church? Death. Or nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come. Look at verse 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. And God says, I'm promising you, church, I am going to take care of you. You may not be able to see through it all. You may not be able to see the future. Paul, you don't see a year and a half in the future, right? When he was, when he was getting ready to leave, he didn't see what's going to happen in the next year and a half. But God said, man, if you'll just stay faithful, Paul, if you'll just do what you're supposed to do, I know there's a lot of people that are going to trust Christ. If you'll just do what you're supposed to do. And sometimes that, that's really hard to kind of look into the future because you can't. You can't guess. You don't know what's going to happen. But Paul said, listen, I'm just going to take it personally and I'm going to believe what he had said. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul wrote to, to Pastor Timothy about the same thing. He said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, verse 17, Notwithstanding, Paul says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by, my, by me the preaching might be fully known and that all Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth even of a lion. Verse 18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And you imagine Paul sitting there going, Man, I started this church. And, Nothing's sticking. I'm just not getting any traction. Nothing. People aren't listening. People aren't hearing the preaching of the Word of God. No one's showing up on Sunday mornings. People are mocking me. They're making fun of me behind my back. This is tough. This is just miserable. I mean, they're just ripping me, me apart. This is not good. They're making fun of how I talk. They're making fun of how I write. They're making fun of how I look. And, 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 and now I've started this church. Now think about this. I started this church in Corinth. And the church on the street's got prostitutes. And I wonder why the youth isn't coming to my church. You know, everyone's saying, I need more entertainment at my church. Well, I, I get why they're going to the church down the street. I get it. Yeah, that, there's a lot more entertainment down there. Man alive, this guy, Paul, is, he's just up against it. This is tough. This is really hard for him. 
And, but he says, you know what? I'm just going to take it for what God says. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be faithful. And I'm just going to listen to what, what God said. And, and I'm just going to listen to what God's plan is. And if God is telling me to do something, I'm just absolutely positively just going to do what God tells me to do. Yeah, church, do we really believe that? I mean, do you really believe God's going to take care of you? I'm just being honest. Do you, do you really believe through this whole thing? God's going to take care of you. You say, well, pastor, what if, what, if, uh, what if I lose my house? What if I lose my car? What if I lose my business? Okay, what if you do? I, I don't know. What if you do? Okay, what if you do? I'm not promising you won't, but what if you do? Is God still going to take care of you? I don't, I don't know. Well, well, what if I lose my car? Well, what if you do? I don't know. Is God still going to take care of you? Is God still with you? Has he forsaken you? I mean, is, is you having that house or that car or that job, is that your definition of God? I mean, is that, your, is that your, your, your proof of God that he has a job for you? Well, maybe he's got another job for you. I don't know. Maybe he's got another house for you. Maybe he's got a different car for you. I, don't, I just don't know. Maybe God's got something else planned for you, and he's going to use this opportunity to help you grow. I, I don't know, but I do know that God's promised to take care of you. And that, and that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And during this time, here at church, what we're not going to do, we're not going to become bitter people, okay? You're not going to be the person that hoards, you're not going to be the person that's selfish, you're not going to be the person that's worried only about you and, and you've kind of got your defenses set up, like this is all about me and I'm just protecting me and my family. Church, we better not be like that. We better be a church that's just willing to reach out and show love, okay? We better be a church that, that's serious about being a leader, Serious about, about uh, uh, showing God's love. Serious about showing faith over fear. Showing hope over the hype. Okay? And, and not letting all the things of the world get, people, get you worked up. Okay? Church, I've said this before, and I'm just going to say it again. Don't, 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 don't get your news from social media. Okay? Just don't do that. I've heard the craziest stories in the last week. <laughs> you know, listen, it's not a conspiracy theory. Okay? You're not going to die tomorrow from this. Okay, let's just use common sense. Let's get our news from reliable sources. And it's still okay. God's still in control. Okay? Just like God was controlled during, during, during World War I or World War II or the Civil War, God's still in control. Yeah, it's messy and yeah, it's ugly, but God's still in control, church. You don't forget that. Don't get worked over. Don't be that person like that. You, you, you be a person that's faithful to what God has said. You know, the most, the most talked about attribute in the Bible is that God's faithful. <laughs> the, the, that's from cover to cover, that God's faithful, right? You believe that? Can I get an amen? Say amen to the person sitting next to you. Amen? The most talked about attribute in the Bible is God's faithful. The most doubted attribute of God is that He's faithful. The most doubted attribute of God is that He can be trusted. That, that's our human nature. That, yeah, I know He talked about it. Yeah, I know He said it. But I just don't know if I can trust it. Back to our passage, Acts chapter 18, verse 10. For I am with thee. That, that, that literally is the words of God. He's saying that. I am with thee. Turn to the person sitting next to you, and I want you to look at that person, and I want you to say this with me, all right? Let's say it together, right? Let's say that those five words from that verse. Here we go, ready? For I am with thee. Say it again. For I am with thee. We just kind of get that through our head, and we won't forget that God's with me. There's a story in the Bible, or uh, not in the Bible, but a story I read reading with a study on our passage about a, a young boy that was in a house. And the house was on fire, and the young boy ran to the roof of the house. He was able to go up to the balcony and get on the roof of the house. And the flames were coming up, and the smoke was there, and the boy was screaming, Help, help, I need help. 
Well, the father had gone out the front of the house, and the father was standing in the front yard of the house. And he was looking up at his son on the roof. And, and the boy was saying, 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 I can't see, I can't see, there's too much smoke, and there's too much flames, I can't see. And the father said these wise words. The father said, son, it's okay that you can't see me, it's fine. What matters is that I can see you. Just jump. It's okay, by faith. But I can't see you. doesn't matter that you can't see me. I can still see you. Okay? And that's what Paul had to learn in Corinth, the book of Acts, chapter 18. And I think every day we need to be working on that. We need to be learning that, that, that God sees us. God cares about us, even though sometimes we can't see Him. It's too stormy. It's too crazy. Too many things going on. But God sees us. Okay, church? That's what's so important, right? Don't, don't let your faith falter during this time. You be an example. You be a testimony to those around you. Would you do that? And be sure to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. The fact that Jesus Christ loved you so much, so much that he, he spread his arms and died on a cross and paid your sin debt for you. Nothing you can do to earn it. You can't pay for it. Going to church, giving money, none of those things will earn your way to heaven. Absolutely not. But simply by trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross, to pay your sins. You can know for certain you have eternal life. You've seen me do this illustration before. Pretend this hand's me and you. Pretend that my glasses are all the bad things we've done. Pretend this hand's God. God says, well, boy, I love you, but I hate the sin. That sin separates us from God, right? We all have sin. God said, said this, God so loved the world. I love you know me and you so much, but I hate your sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was Jesus when he spread his arms and died on the cross. That whosoever, what? Believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God said, if you'll simply believe that my son paid your sin debt, if you'll accept the fact that my son paid your sin debt, God says you can know for certain you have eternal life, not because you're good, not because you've given money, not because you were baptized, no, but because you believed in who? In the fact that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've accepted that. You've trusted it. That yes, I'm a sinner. I can't pay for it. But I accept the fact, yes, Jesus died for me. My faith is in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. That is forever being saved. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, let's share that this week. Would you do that? Think about someone right now that you could call or you could encourage. And maybe you could even share the gospel with this week. People are ready to hear it. People are wanting to hear it. People are scared. They're they're nervous. They don't know what to think. They don't know what's up, what's down. You be the one to share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be done today. Father, we thank you for your goodness for our study today. Thank you, Lord, for for what we learned about Paul and the fact that Paul was so human. (laughs) We see him frustrated, probably depressed, probably scared to death. And yet, Lord, Lord, you calm him down. Paul, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No no one's going to hurt you. I'm still on the throne. I'm still in charge. Father, maybe there's someone watching today or listening that, Thoughts, thinks that, that, that you're, you've left us. You've forgotten about us. They're nervous about tomorrow. They're nervous about their health. They're nervous about what's going to happen with our economy. They're nervous about what the government's going to do. Lord, would you calm us down? Would you, would you show us peace? Would you show us mercy? Lord, maybe someone today is trusting in you as their Savior. Someone today maybe has heard this, and for the first time they're entrusting in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid their sin debt. Would you give them just a special blessing? Lord, we're praying for our church right now. We're looking forward to being back together with them, hope for the next couple of weeks. 
We're praying for our nation. We're praying for healing those that are sick. We're praying for a, a cure for the virus to come out. We're, we're praying, Lord, for these things. We are, we're praying for our economy to come back together for the sake of the gospel. Bring us back together quickly, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done and all that I've shown very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.